on this episode of the Naturist Living Show, coming soon to a theater near you, a new Naturist movie. This episode of the Naturist Living Show is brought to you by Bear Oaks Family Naturist Park. At Bear Oaks, we offer traditional naturist values in a modern setting. Free your body, free your mind. www.bearoaks.ca Welcome to episode number 29 of the Naturist Living Show. My name is Stéphane Deschain. I'm your host for the show. I'm also the owner of Bear Oaks Family Naturist Park. And today we're going to be talking about a new movie coming out soon, a naturist movie, a movie about naturism. But before we get into that, I'd like to tell you about a show I listen to on CBC Radio. For the folks listening who are not in Canada, CBC is the Canadian Broadcasting Corporation. And they have a uh, few radio stations, um, but one that's all uh, talks and current affairs and news and interesting documentaries. And uh, they do really interesting stuff. It's com- commercial-free. Anybody can listen to it online, live, of course, now. And I believe it's on shortwave, too, if people still do that. Um, the specific show here uh, was on December 4th, 2010. The show is called... DNTO, which stands for Definitely Not the Opera. Um, And this particular show was about what happens when you make private parts public. It's not actually a show about naturism, but it's really right in line with what uh, naturism is about, what the philosophy is about, what our creed is all about, because it talks about our discomfort with exposing certain parts of our body. Interestingly enough, not just genitals, as you'll hear about in a few minutes, just about exposing ourselves and talking about what are private parts. So the show's over an hour long, and I'll put a link to where you can download and listen to the whole show uh, in the show notes on the website at the end of the show. I'll tell you where that is. Uh, You hear a lot of stories within this hour, a little over an hour show, from different people and how they feel about exposing certain parts that they consider private. The very first one they get into is... uh, gentleman by the name of Rich Binning, and he's one of the talent in a show called Puppetry of the Penis. If you haven't heard of it or have never seen it, uh, it's a show where men come on stage and basically make a variety of shapes, um, the Eiffel Tower, the hamburger, a variety of things out of their penis by bending it and stretching it and doing all kinds of things about it. And of course, this is hilarious. The audience just laughs hysterically. I went to the show. Uh, interestingly enough, it, I didn't find it as funny, uh, nor did my wife, as others did, possibly because we weren't uncomfortable with the nudity. A lot of the laughter probably comes from the fact that when people are nervous about nudity, um, they laugh and they giggle. And uh, But it was still kind of amusing, and certainly it's a great show for getting people used to the human body, and particularly that ever-so-scary and offensive part of the human body called the penis. So so this gentleman is a uh, uh, one of the talents on the show, and he talks about the fact that he wasn't always comfortable with his body at all. At first, I, I refused to shower with the guys. And we were just working so much, and then I just decided, okay. And so I remember the first time I you know wore the towel all the way to the shower, 
took the towel off and, you know, stood in the corner and showered as quickly as I could and got out of there. And eventually, as that summer went on, I became a little bit more free with it. And then we started, you know, going to Lake Erie and skinny dipping in the lake. And then, so that was like the big revolutionary summer for me. It was my first, like, summer away from from home. The next part is about a uh, so-called makeup addict named Sushma Subramanian. I'm sorry if I'm not pronouncing that right, but that's that's the way it's written in here anyway. And she's addicted to makeup. Uh, for her, the private part, I guess, is her skin or herself or the way she was. And she really, she can't go in public without makeup on. She's that uncomfortable with herself and who she is and her body. In my dorm, I got into a pattern of being the first person to to wake up and the last person to fall asleep. Um, that way, people wouldn't ever see me without my makeup. But I ended up losing a lot of hours of sleep and I got really tired. You might also remember that in the spring of 2010, there was a, an Iranian cleric who said that uh, women who dressed uh, immodestly are responsible for the earthquakes in the world. That got a lot of media, so I'm sure you probably heard about that. Well, a university student named Jennifer McCrate decided to do an experiment, and on Facebook she she picked, I think in, it was in April, an event that she created called Boobquake. And on that day, women were to dress as immodestly as possible to see if there would be any impact on the number of earthquakes around the planet. Uh, so I actually did do some stats after the day, and we showed that there were no difference in, differences in the number of earthquakes or the magnitude. Actually, the magnitude of earthquakes were slightly lower than usual that day. Um, though some people got excited because there was an earthquake in Taiwan, but it wasn't statistically significant. It had about a one in three chance of happening on any given day. So it wasn't because of us, unfortunately. <laughs> The show also talks about nudity as a weapon. Um, in, in this case, they interviewed um, Alex Friedman, who has a cottage in Georgian Bay on an island. And when he was young, um, they uh, had a problem with uh, boats anchoring too close and right off their cottage. And so they had a novel way using nudity to uh, get them to go away. And if that didn't work, she would then rally the entire family together <clears throat> and we would go and present ourselves ashore of this boat and we would completely take all of our clothes off. My grandmother, grandfather, uncles, aunts, father, mother, sister, cousins, all of us naked, standing there, looking at the boat. It never took more than five minutes for that boat to weigh anchor and move back to the overnighting bay. They really did, in the, this uh, particular show, do a very good job of uh, looking at all kinds of different ways um, that we have private parts, as they call it, but what I would say is discomfort in the body. And a great example is an interview they do with Marianne Kirby. Uh, she, when she was 10 years old, uh, her parents were Hutterites, which is a fairly conservative sect, uh, religious sect, and they left their colony uh, to start a new life. And you know, it's a little bit like Mennonites, if you're familiar with them. They always wore a hat, the women uh, in this particular colony, in this particular sect. And so when she became part of the regular secular world, if you will, and went to school, she decided to stop wearing her bonnet 
um, because she thought she might get picked on by the other kids. She wanted to look most like the other, like everybody else. Her and her parents decided this together. And so she stopped wearing her bonnet and she calls it a mitz. It was overwhelming, really, because so much was happening. And I wanted the safety of my mitz. I missed it. You know, to be... So in this case, her hair, her, the top of her head, is her private part, which really reinforces what um, naturism has been saying for a long time, which is that the concept of nudity is completely arbitrary. What we decide should be hidden um, is not logical or rational. It's uh, based on tradition and the development of certain societal norms. And in this case... She felt as naked without her hat on as other people might feel without their shirt on. So it really helps to demonstrate exactly the point we're trying to make in naturism that uh, what we hide is only because we're told to do it and not because we really have a built-in genetic desire to be dressed all the time and hide certain parts of our body. Uh, a little later in the interview, there's a uh, freelance uh, journalist named Virginia Soul Smith, and she talks about how she went and uh, did a stint at a beauty school, and she did it because she wanted to learn about people's comfort with the body and nudity. In particular, she talks about uh, doing Brazilian wax on a woman, and how it's a very strange uh, situation for her and, and for the client because it's so uncomfortable uh, for both of them. I guess it's because I think it devalues women's bodies in a way. I would say every client I worked on apologized to me when she got naked. And that made me really sad because it just shows how uncomfortable women are with that whole area. So it's interesting to see in this particular segment about how the women uh, deal with the discomfort and the relationship that they have with each other um, because they're so embarrassed and uncomfortable with their body. And uh, it, it it really shows that we have a long way to go and our society is really hurting itself um, by creating all this body shame and embarrassment and, and offense at certain parts of the body and making therefore people feel uncomfortable who, about who they are and what they look like. And uh, being unable to reach this perfect myth uh, of beauty that is out there in the media. In another segment in the show, uh, Diane Flax comes on and has done a whole segment and a bit of research on what kids call their private parts, and mostly because what their parents call their private parts, and how parents uh, should deal with the private parts, our so-called private parts, and react with children and and how that impacts the raising of children. And there's a lot of very good advice in this. But what uh, Kid Health says is that, you know, kids three to six years old, not only are they going to blurt, but they're going to start touching and showing and showing off and playing doctor. And a lot of parents sort of overreact immediately when they see such behavior because of all the things that we're afraid of. We want to protect our children. Right. And they suggest at Kids Health that, that you really, you should not, scold. You should try not to react um, because parents are afraid this is going to lead to sort of promiscuous behavior or is it promiscuous? And and it's not. It's not about sex for kids. That's our baggage. For them, it's just... A story that's told in here also that's really maddening is that of uh, Tamara Hoover. 
Um, she posed nude for an artist, and uh, she did some photographs which she thought were charming and tasteful. She's herself an artist. And uh, the photographer asked for permission to put it on the internet, and she agreed because she thought they were artistic photos and there was nothing wrong with that. The problem is that she was a high school teacher in Austin, Texas. And I say was because it cost her her job. The principal asked me to get my things and that there was an officer waiting for me at the door and they were going to escort me off campus and I was going to be asked to not come back on campus until this issue was resolved. So overall, an interesting show that touches on a lot of aspects of uh, the human body, body shame, uh, what we consider private parts, uh, how it is really different depending on who you are and how you grew up and what your cultural background is. There's even a uh, segment uh, where they interview uh, Marianne Chance. Um, She's a PhD student uh, doing her doctorate in history, and uh, I know Marianne quite well because I helped her with some of her research. She's doing her thesis on Canadian uh, nudist and naturist clubs in the post-war years, post-World War II, that is. And uh, she has looked through a lot of the uh, archives um, that are in the Federation of Canadian Naturists Library, which is now located at Bear Oaks Family Naturist Park. And she went through material going back to the 30s that are in those uh, various boxes that we have created in there. And so she was interviewed for the show. Um, I actually wrote her an email afterwards because I was a little um, unhappy with the interview because I thought, Marianne, why did you talk only about the American Nudist Research Library, um, which is a great library, don't get me wrong. But uh, she had done a lot of research in Canada and we had a lot of information and her study is about uh, Canadian naturists slash nudists. So uh, why only talk about the U.S. Uh, American Nudist Research Library in Florida in Cypress Cove? And she just said um, the actual interview was 45 minutes and it was cut down to just a few minutes. So they cut out a lot of things that things were a little bit out of context. So we are actually going to interview her in the future and uh, she can tell us a little bit about her research and what she has found out in uh, delving in all of those archives that are in the Federation of Canadian Naturists Library. So, all in all, a show worth listening to. It's free, just downloaded from the internet. Uh, There are uh, many more stories in the show that I didn't talk about. It's a little over an hour, and there will be a link for you to download the show in the show notes, which are on the uh, Naturist Living Show website, which is at naturistliving.com. Bear Oaks, B-A-R-E, of course, dot C-A. But I said that this episode was about a new naturist film. And uh, I've talked about naturist films before, actually. The very, well, the second episode, episode number two, which is really the very first real show that I did in December 2008, because episode number one was just an introduction, was about... uh, Nature's Films, The History of Nudist Films uh, by Mark Story. There's a book. It's called Cinema au Naturel, A History of Nudist Film by Mark Story. And we interviewed Mark Story in that show. And we talked about a lot of the movies that had been done since the 30s. And some decent one, but most of them were fairly exploitive because uh, in the 40s and 50s and 60s, it was the only way you could show nudity. So people were doing films 
in order to uh, basically do adult entertainment. That was the only way you could do it, by making it a nudist movie. And that continued. Um, Films were in two categories, in my opinion. They were either um, exploitive, as we mentioned, and in that case, the production quality could be quite good. Um, Some were okay, but there was always that exploitive aspect because the women were all young and trim and fit, and there was far more women than men. And um, but some of them had decent storyline, and I've talked about some of them in the past. Or the movies were low quality and amateurish, and the difference was if a true naturist with a passion for naturism tried to do a movie, often they were not professionals. They did not have access to the equipment, and they didn't have the expertise, so what they produced was fairly amateurish. Or the actors in it were not very good actors, or the script was fairly poor. So it's always, uh, it's interesting to see. It's good that some of that material is out there, but I'm not sure if it does uh, naturism a good service, particularly if they're seen by the general public. An example of that actually is one I just watched on YouTube. Um, Again, I'll put a link to this in the show notes. But Diary of a Nudist, uh, a 1961 film, is available on YouTube, presumably because uh, it's in the public domain. I don't know. Um, But it is, uh, it's actually amusing. Um, It's fun to watch. Shall I get those contracts you were asking about yesterday? No, not now. I have something much more interesting to discuss with you. It's really something. Oh? My little hunting trip has turned up something very interesting. Very interesting indeed. And we're going to do a series that will blow the lid right off it. For goodness sakes, Arthur, what are you talking about? While I was in the woods, I took a wrong turn, you see. I was trying to find my way out, and I stumbled upon something. You won't guess in a million years what it is. I won't even try. Stacy, not 60 miles from where we are standing now, there's a nudist camp. (laughs) Oh, you think it's funny? A nudist camp. Not more than two hours from where we are right now. Just what have you got in mind? I want real inside information. I want a reporter to spend a few weeks in that camp seeing what goes on. And I want the articles to come directly from the camp. Stacy, I want documented proof of everything we print. This is big, Stacy, really big. That sounds like a good idea. Who do you think will do it? You. Me? Oh, no, you don't. You must be out of your mind. You expect me to join one of those camps? Become a nudist? Oh, no, I couldn't. I wouldn't. As a matter of fact, I won't. Now, Stacy, calm down. Just take it easy, will you? You said yourself it's a good idea. Well, it's more than a good idea. It's... Who is it, please? Taylor, I have an appointment with the camp director. Yes, we've been expecting you. There's a combination lock on the gate. The combination is 45998. It makes you laugh as a naturist. I don't think it definitely doesn't give the right uh, idea 
to the general public about what naturism is about. I think it's a ratio of, I don't know, three or four to one women to men, um, of course, all younger women. And uh, it is, uh, in some ways, though, it, it, because it is exploitive, it, it makes you long for those days because this was actually as bad as pornography got at that time. And as we discussed a couple shows ago, pornography has really gotten out of hand uh, in a lot of ways. Um, but it's, it's, it's funny to watch. It's funny to watch because uh, they have limitations. Um, they, there is a, a few scenes where they're playing volleyball, and the team you see from the back is wearing nothing. The team that's opposite them, which you can see from the front, are all wearing shorts. Presumably it's because they couldn't show uh, male or female genitals. They could show breasts, obviously, and they could show bums. And so you have this funny half-clothed team playing a fully nude team. Uh, everybody's nude unless you see their front end, and so you might have somebody wearing shorts uh, in, in half the scene, and then seconds later from the back, they're wearing nothing. Um, a lot of the so-called nudists have incredibly strong tan lines, as if this is the very first time they've taken their clothes off after spending an entire summer in the sun. The film is actually by Doris Wishman, who is uh, known as one of the most prolific women uh, film directors in the history of cinema. Uh, it, she actually, in recent years, she passed away in 2002. She was born in 1912 and passed away in 2002. And in recent years, she's actually become um, sort of the object of a, a bit of a cult following for her various exploitive movies. And she did a ton of them, uh, eight of which had a quote-unquote nudist theme to them. But clearly, this is an exploitive film. Because films were either exploitive or poor quality, I was very excited a few years ago when I learned of a film being done in France called Les Textiles, The Textiles. It came out in 2004, and uh, I wasn't in France to see it, but when it went on DVD video, I found a place to order it. Strangely enough, it came from somewhere in Asia. I got the, the one with the Chinese subtitles. I couldn't order it from France for whatever reason. Doesn't matter, you can turn off the subtitles and everything's fine in French, and it actually has English subtitles on it as well. And so I had great hope because this was a mainstream film uh, done in France. And then you could see from the trailer and the ads that it was very professionally done, and uh, the theme seemed right from what I saw in the previews. So it was with great anticipation that I started playing the movie. So briefly, the story is about uh, Sophie and Olivier. It's a couple with uh, two children, a little boy and a little girl, in Paris. And uh, he works very hard and long hours. And uh, he uh, he's a baker, so he gets up very early in the morning. And so they see an ad to sell a summer place. And you guessed it. They buy the summer place, and it turns out to be in a naturist resort. So Sophie goes uh, with the two kids first because uh, Olivier needs to continue working. And this resort is apparently on an island. You need to take a little ferry to get across. And so everybody's dressed on the ferry. Um, and on the boat is when they undress and when the uh, mother and the two children discover that they are going to a naturist resort. So just after they get off the boat, uh, here's a little clip of uh, a discussion they're having as they're trying to make their way towards their new little little summer um, home that they've purchased. Maman, t'as demandé pourquoi les gens ils étaient tout nus? 
Bah écoute, ici c'est comme ça, les gens ils vivent tout nus parce que c'est un camp naturiste. De toute façon, on reste pas. Hein. Allez, tiens, tu prends ça Non, non, attends, rhabille-toi, non, non, tu vas prendre froid. Maman, oui, mon cœur. Est-ce qu'ils se lavent les nudistes On dit pas les nudistes, on dit les nudistes. J'en sais rien, mon chéri. Vous cherchez quelque chose Vous voulez que je vous aide euh, euh, Non, j'ai trouvé, merci beaucoup. Allez, on y va, les enfants. Hein Nono, prends ton sac, c'est parti. So I assume most of you don't understand French, uh, but you get the gist of the conversation, the tone. Essentially, the daughter asks um, why everybody's nude uh, around them, and the mother explains because they're naturists and that's the way they are. The son, uh, a second later, takes his clothes off and is walking around nude, and his mother tells him to get dressed because he's going to catch cold. Of course, it's uh, Mediterranean and clearly not cold. And at uh, just near the end of the clip, a... Uh, Sophie is uh, clearly lost, and uh, a nude man comes up to her, and because she's sitting down, basically the nude man's penis is in her face, and asks if she could help, and she's a little shocked and uh, a little doesn't quite know what to do, and so she says, no, it's fine, I'll find it myself, or I'm okay. So it, it, it all seems really good. The conversation's great, the discussion... The, the production values, the acting, it's all really well done. But as Sophie is there at night, we discover that really this is a swinger's place. And everybody there is really not a naturist, but a swinger. Or not just a naturist, but a swinger, because I suppose you can be a swinger and a naturist. But this is really all about swinging because everybody there is into it. And it's too bad because it was a really good story about body shame until they introduced that element. Um, it was really well done. And the conversations that the children were having, the soul-searching that Sophie was doing, um, was really right on the money. Why this was necessary, I don't know. I don't know why they had to introduce this prurient element. It's, uh, as we know, it's not tied to naturism. Um, it has nothing to do with the nature's philosophy. Perhaps the producers or the director or the writer, I don't know, felt that adding a salacious aspect to the movie would make it more commercially successful. It beats me, but it was a, it was a very big disappointment because unfortunately this is not the movie that did it. So in comes this new movie I learned about, uh, about a year ago I learned about it, Uh, online, there's a promotional website. Again, there'll be a link in the show notes. And um, I think this is an independent film, an indie film, with a lot of mainstream potential. Act Naturally is about two estranged sisters who inherit a nudist resort. Welcome to Bear Lake. My name is Corey. How can I help you? Uh, yeah, hi, I'm sorry to bother you. I think we may have the wrong address. Is this 2324 Olive Road? Yes, it is. Oh, oh, you guys new members? Members of what? As a girl, everyone grows up thinking that they've got a little chub here and whatever. And I think that when you come here and you realize, like, no one really cares about any of that, you know? I think it's been a really good experience for myself and 
the other females on this cast. You were not you. That's the spirit. Let me get this straight. Ultra low budget, and I get to take my clothes off. <laughs> I'm in. When we did all of our second unit, it was during high season, so, you know, Bobby had asked kindly that, you know, when we were in communal areas, that all of us do follow the exact rules. So we'll follow you. Absolutely, right after you disrobe. Uh, no, that's not happening. Right. My mom always told me to get the money first. I take clues from my character from my wardrobe. I mean, it often helps you feel like the person if you're dressed like the person. And since I was dressed like my person, which is wearing nothing, I was thinking about what it have been like to not shoot on a nudist resort. It'd be more comfortable that there was like a naked person walking around on the at all times. It's not helpful that the crew was naked. I felt like it was very distracting. It, to me, I cannot stop looking at people's stuff. I couldn't wrap my mind around the fact that, yes, this is going to be straight up nudity. And there's nothing dirty about it. The first conversation that I think all of us had with anyone when we talked to them about this film was, no, it is not a porn. This is not about sex. This is not a porn. Get your mind out of the gutter. It brought down boundaries, you know, you have everybody naked, you have to be yourself. And that's kind of what a big part of Olive Del Ranch is, is, is you are yourself because you don't have to hide behind your clothes. I took it all off, boom. And then I went to everybody and just went, all right, I'm just gonna look at everybody's privates right now, right away, and get it over with. Incredible, incredible. Oh, that guy hasn't seen me in two decades and he's trying to make up for it by leaving me a fucking nudist colony? Nudist resort, colonies are for lepers. We're at a nudist resort. It wasn't even work. It was, it was more like a paid vacation. So as you can see from the trailer, it's very professional. It's very well put together. It looks and sounds interesting. It has a, a good plot and a good story. Um, of course, trailers don't always represent movies well, as we know, as if having been in movie theaters. For most of our lives and seen a lot of movie trailers and then the movie that follows it, we're not always, um, it's not always a good representation of what the final movie is going to be about. And certainly that was true with Les Textiles, uh, the French movie I just talked about. But I contacted uh, J.P. Riley, the co-writer and director, and uh, learned more about it. And I think we may just have it here. So here's my conversation with J.P. Um, I am the director and co-writer of Act Naturally. Um, what got me decided to do it was, it was a script that I wrote in 2000 while on vacation in St. Martin with my girlfriend. And I wrote the first draft of the script on a balcony outside the Orient Beach Hotel. And it was a script that I kind of knew where I was onto something, but I stuck in a drawer for a long time. And then during the writer's strike in 2007, I kind of dusted the, I went through all of the scripts that I had and kind of took, take, took stock of, of uh, all of my material and kind of came back to that one. And um, it was a script that I, I grew up going to do this resorts with my parents all my life. And in, uh, in film school, they always tell you, write what you know. And that is something I definitely know a little bit about. So I decided to go back to the, back to the drawing board on that one and rewrote the script and said it to my producer, Christine. And she thought it was really funny and thought it was a great script. And we decided to kind of, as long as the strike kept going on, we kind of decided to move forward with that one. So when did you first start producing the, the movie? When did you first start shooting? We first started shooting the movie in, oh, I think June 2008 was our first day of 
photography. And our last day of photography was March 19th of last year. So it took three years almost. Wow. And why is that? Just because of low budgets? Um, because of low budgets, because of people's schedules, because some of our member, some of our actors were in other um, other TV shows and movies where we had to kind of stop and start because the seasons would change. Because I had certain things scheduled like music videos. Um, it was just kind of a, a matter. It became a matter of when we all could get together again at once, and when the when the resort was available too. So it's like it's like trying to schedule, you know dinner with 40 of your friends for a month straight. And so the, the resort being uh, Olive Dell, and uh, is that because you're a member there, or why did you pick that location? We picked Olive Dell because it had every single thing in it the script had, and because Bobby Kilborn and Becky Kilborn were nice enough to say yes to letting us shoot there. Hmm. Um, we kind of made a list of all the places that had everything in the script that we didn't have to go to an more than one location. Um, Olive Dell was at the top of that list along with several other resorts in the area, but a lot of places just said no to us. Really? Um, we, yeah, a lot of a lot of resorts said no, there's no photography allowed here and hung up. <laughs> Which we weren't surprised by. A lot of resorts just said sorry, you know, we don't allow photography here. Click. Well, it's a, I guess that's the old-fashioned thinking. It kind of was. And, and I mean, Bobby had a lot of questions for us, too, at Olive Dell about, like, how long we were going to be there, about what, you know, they wanted to know more about what kind of movie it was. They wanted to make sure it wasn't something you'd see on Cinemax at 3 a.m. Um, but once they read the script and they had a board members meeting about it, um, they called me and said that they would be more than happy to have a shoot there. And they, it, it took, like, two or three weeks from the first time we first went out and met with Bobby and Becky. And from the time they told us that, yeah, we, we, we were allowed to shoot there. Oh, that's great. So you are an, uh, you're you're a director first. You may have grown up as a, a nudist, but you are actually a professional director and writer. Um, so this is a real movie, not just a naturist who picked up a camera. No, this is a real movie. I was I've been directing professionally now for it'll be ten years. This fall will be my tenth anniversary of my first music video for RCA Records. And is the rest of the crew and cast professional as well? Yes, yes, they are. Um, some of the, everyone on our casting crew is professional. We have an amazing producer named Christine Sheeks, who's made a lot of, um, movies you've probably seen before in your, in your day. And, um, people like Susan May Pratt from, uh, movies like 10 Things I Hate About You and Center Stage and Open Water 2 and Private Practice and Mad Men. And our lead, Josh McBaney, is on the show Friday Night Lights on NBC. So how hard was it to get all these guys involved? It was not easy. Um, the casting process itself was really painless because Christine did a great job of putting me in with people who, who were the right people for the right roles. It was more of a matter of just convincing them that that this wasn't going to be something exploitative; that it was going to be something where it was part of the story instead of, you know, where the nudity wasn't going to be something sensationalized. Where if I've done my job properly, that everyone forgets that everyone's naked by the end of the movie, which is what the ultimate goal was. Well, that's great. And you, you said the key word here, uh, exploitation, because as a naturist, we're used to seeing mainstream movies or at least uh, professional movies, perhaps, uh, use naturism, but they always kind of end on a note, you know, of uh, with sexuality and that kind of stuff. You're not going there? Not at all. Not at all. If I've done my job properly, by the end of this movie, no one will realize that everybody's naked. 
<laughs> so there's no undercurrent of, uh, I don't know, big orgies or anything like that happening in the... Uh... Not at all. There's no sex in the movie. So did did people not believe you when you were casting it and you were telling them that? Until they read the script. Usually people would be a little, look at you kind of a little bit like, yeah, I've heard that one before. And then everyone would read the script and be like, wow, he's not joking. If this is exactly what we're shooting, which is exactly what's on the page, then... It's not exploitative at all. It's a, it's it's kind of a it's kind of a it's a cute little movie that kind of whips a little bit of message at you about you know that that your body is really the one thing you have in your life that you know is always going to be yours and you need to accept it because it's the only one you've got. Kind of a message with while continuing to entertain you at the same time. So you're you're launching this as a, a movie. Do you think you're going to get a lot of screens? We don't know yet. Time will tell. Um, right now we're we're setting up kind of grassroots um, screenings at nudist resorts across the country. Um, we're doing our first um, fundraiser screening in Soho at the Digital Arts Gallery in Soho, New York on the 22nd of March. And that'll be kind of the first time anybody's ever seen it with an audience before. We're looking to set up another one up at Palm Springs in May. And um, there's several of these little grassroots kind of nudist screenings that we're setting up across the country. Do you think you'll have trouble finding a uh, distributor for it? No, I do not. But we haven't really started looking at it. Right now, we're still trying to finish the movie. Oh, so you're having a screening, but it's not 100% done yet. We're still doing things like closed captioning for the hearing impaired, subtitling for Europe. The movie is picture locked as far as the edit is concerned, but right now we need to raise a little bit of additional funding to do things like closed captioning for the hearing impaired, subtitling, um, transferring it to film. We need to get a film print made, which is really expensive. Um, in order to have screenings in theatrical, we need to be able to get a film print struck, and that's about $50,000 I don't have right now. <laughs> that, yeah, that's that's significant. Um, so do you do you think that this movie will be considered like, a, because you've got full nudity, I presume, of men and women, you have that special rating now, you know, male nudity, which is apparently different from female nudity. Do you think you're going to have uh, a, an adult sort of uh, screening always in theaters? Um, I don't know. I hope not, but I'm prepared. We're ultimately prepared for that. Um, we've never really figured that this would be the kind of movie that the MPAA is ever going to have to rate, frankly. Um, but, I mean, apparently the MPAA is petrified of any genitalia that's male and not their own. That much we know is true. <laughs> like, they're just, they're just scared to death of any, of any penis that doesn't belong to them. Yes. So, we know we got that going in. Although they are um, a bunch of dicks hoping... sometimes. <laughs> Yes, yes, they are. <laughs> They've been known to be, but we're hoping that this that that um that they kind of go easy on us with that. But we're totally we're hundred percent prepared to be an unrated movie. <laughs> but there, yeah, there, there was a there there was a story a couple of months ago how the MPA actually came out with a special warning for male nudity. I don't know if you saw that. I did not see that. What was the what was the warning? Well, they 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 specifically warn about male nudity in a movie. If they can, if having a nudity rating or nudity warning is is one thing, but if you have male nudity, they specifically then say male nudity because apparently just nudity is not the same. Oh, it's di it's different. Nudity, yes. I see. Yes. So, do you think that this movie um, might appeal to the critics? Do you think you might even consider going into some festivals? I never really considered it while making it, to be honest with you. I ho we all hope so. Any filmmaker who says he doesn't hope that is lying. But um, I never really 
never never really made this one specifically for the critics. We hope they like it. It's like I hope I didn't make something that, you know, the critics loathe, but I never really made it with them in mind, to be honest with you. I wrote it. I wrote this movie more to stay true to nudists because those are the people I knew would be the first ones to be like, there's no glass allowed around a hot tub. We know that. I really kind of, when I made the movie, I was more concerned that the people who would hate it or love it would be the nudists because they were pretty much our first. I knew that they were going to be our, our audience first and foremost. And they would be the ones who would be the first to say that's realistic or that's, you know, not true. So I tried to make it as honest a depiction of what it's like to really be at a nudist resort because I knew that nudists and naturists around the world are going to be the first ones to either say, yep, that's totally true or that's BS. <laughs> so everybody's going to be interested in seeing this. How are they going to get to see this movie? Um, God willing, um, we're going to find a distributor for it as soon as we get a film print made and finish closed captioning. And, and you know, that's that's... I don't want to speculate, but I don't think we'll have trouble finding a distributor. I think it's going to come down to more about getting the getting the distributors to realize how much of an audience there is for the movie. Of course, I haven't actually seen this movie yet, but as you can hear from the interview with JP, it certainly sounds like it's all going in the right direction. And so I'm very hopeful. I'm hopeful that the story is there, the quality is there. I'm hoping that a professional like JP and the other professionals on his team um, know how to get distribution and know how to get a very decent um, audience to the show. Actually, if you're listening to this show right when it comes out, um, March 22nd, 2011, there will be a sneak preview in New York City, if you happen to be in New York City. The Soho Gallery for Digital Art uh, that's at 138 Sullivan Street in New York, is having a, a sneak preview of the film. The preview is clothing optional, so you don't have to wear clothes. Um, there is a charge, and all of the profits are going to help with the uh, finishing and promoting of the movie. Um, and we are also planning a uh, screening, a preview screening at Bear Oaks this summer. I'm working on that with JP and Christine, his uh, producer, um, not quite sure when yet, but if you uh, subscribe to the Bear Oaks blog, then uh, I'm sure you will get notification when that time comes up. Well, that's it once again for this episode of the Naturist Living Show. Thank you for listening. Um, you can find links to all of the items that I talked about in this show, and this time there were quite a few that you're going to want to probably link to. You can find them on the show website in the show notes, and that's at naturistliving.bearoaks.ca. Please keep sending those comments and suggestions. I love to hear from everybody, and I get lots of comments after every show. It's always nice to hear about it. The show's email address is naturistliving at bearoaks.ca. That's B-A-R-E, bearoaks.ca, C-A for Canada. Join us again in about a month for the next episode of The Naturist Living Show. This episode of The Naturist Living Show was brought to you by Bear Oaks Family Naturist Park. Traditional naturist values in a modern setting. Traditional values means that naturism is more than just taking your clothes off. It is a life philosophy with physical, psychological, environmental, social and moral benefits. Bear Oaks Family Naturist Park strives to promote those naturist values in a modern setting 
that provides the amenities and services that our members and visitors expect. Free your body, free your mind. Learn more at www.baroques.ca. Thank you.